What if you did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if you did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work? All righty, a brand new day, a brand new Wednesday, and a brand new episode of What If It Did Work. I have the pleasure and the honor of having a distinct, you're very distinguished, John Baldoni, who's a globally recognized in the leadership. He's an educator, certified master corporate executive coach, and you're the author of 15 books that's been translated into 10 languages. I couldn't even name 10 languages, much less. That, that's, that's impressive completely. Here, here I am happy about my, being a, an author of one, and you've got 15. Congratulations. So how's it going? Uh, things are good, Omar. Thank you for that warm welcome. And please don't undersell yourself. You are an exceptional business person and entrepreneur. And um, that is not my strong suit. That's okay. There's a lot of great stuff that I want to talk to you about just by by reading your bio that it's, it's incredible. One of the things that you and I are aligned about are, are Mondays because so many people have this this thing that they wake up on a monday or and they they have a horrible day whether they they post about it they go to the office they're wondering why they're not productive well you 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 just your state is horrible it's it's like if if today we're taping on a thursday i'm like i hate thursdays this day is going to be crap well is, is is it logically I'm, I'm bringing that into my, my state, my being, everything about me. Sure. Well, without question. And it's, it all comes down to, I mean, it's nothing rocket science. It's a matter of uh, mindset. And all of us, and, and, I, and I'm glad you opened up with this because um, I know um, I'm a pretty productive person. But uh, on the other hand, I have down days and down and recognize that to say, hey, I got off to a bad start. This is not my day and move on because and you and then resolve to do better the next time. I have a little mantra I call focus on better. And uh, it's my reaction to New Year's resolution solutions, which are, you know, made to be broken, if we will. So when we say focus on better, it means um, focus on the uh, on a, being a better colleague, a better spouse, a better business person, or a better sense of yourself. And inherent in this sense of better, which you define for yourself, Omar, is how can I um, inherent in this is a sense that I will fail. I will take a misstep, but I'm not going to let that hold me back. Um, I am going to exert self-kindness uh, to myself. Uh, I'm going to be grateful for who I am and I'm going to move forward. So that that's the key to success right there. But yet so many people kill themselves. Most people, when it comes to New Year's resolutions, they would have been doing this way before the magical calendar changes to 2022 or then 2023. But yet here, here they are. They write down a grocery list of things. And a lot of times, don't you feel like it's, it's just something like trendy, something hip? Because could you imagine you're, ta- you're, you're around the water cooler, around your colleagues, and they're like, well, what's your, what's your New Year's resolutions? And you're like, 
and, and of course, well, cure cancer. I, I need a 30% return on my, my investments. I, I haven't eaten healthy in 50 years, but I think today, January 1st, well, January 3rd, because they, everybody had to get a late start this year because it, it's unfortunately started on the weekend. Right. But yeah, isn't that like you just want to feel like not only that you're with the masses, but just that it's like these really, it's not something that they really want. It's just we, no, a lot I mean, of times yeah. we just say what we want to say. I think you hit the nail on the head by two things. Yeah, it's like a grocery list. That's a good analogy. The other thing is, is they truly don't want it. They're going through the motions. And when you go through the motions, um, you're not going to have the best outcomes. Now, we all, we all have to have our routines, our exercise, or, or whatever it is, eat right and eat healthy. Do we always want to do that? Of course not. But we know the benefits of it. And so we do those things. But when it comes to the big things we want to achieve in our, in our lives, you can't go through the motions. You have to commit to it. And you have to have passion for what it is you really want to do. So, Now, shouldn't... It, it, to me, it would be way easier if we prioritize things. We have to have priorities. Is this something I really need to lose weight? Or is this something further down the line? Let's, let, let's prioritize this grocery list. To me, I, it's always been, why don't you pick one or two things that are essential? That clearly, if you're drinking up a storm or you're severely obese, then yes, this is life or death. Let's let's hit this. This is priority number one. And just like two, three, because you're going to fail if you have like a, a war and peace book size. Well, these are all the things that I need to work on. <laughs> Well, absolutely. Prioritization is absolutely critical. And you hit the, the magic word, one, two, maybe three, um, no more than five. And because if you get more than that, then you are, you have no priorities. Uh, so it's important to focus on what's most important. What is of the greatest urgency, as you said, too? So what's going to make the greatest difference um, right now? Um, and that's important to be able to recognize that and deal with that. And the other part of it is, is, is um, let's not especially when we're in this era now of our pandemic, we're not in this alone, although at times we may feel that way. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, all of us need our friends, our um, colleagues and, and trusted associates who can give us the um, the straight talk. Uh, and that's important, too, because, you know, we're not in this alone, although sometimes we feel that we are. And so sometimes just being <clears throat> recognizing that we're not alone uh, opens up horizons for us that um, enable us to see the better part of ourselves, if we will. So the thing about that, though, we we always need to strive for a better peer group because sometimes sometimes our peers don't want to be brutally honest. It, it, it's like that old saying to to your spouse, "Does this make me look fat?" Uh, <laughs> it, you know, it, it, it's a two way street because if you ask some of your peers, "Does this really seem to be like a problem? Does this really seem like I need to hit this head on?" Oh, no, it, you really don't. You're, you're, you're too hard on yourself. They'll, they'll tell you that because as your peer or as your friend or somebody that's known you for a long time, 
it, it's it's that old adage that you you you're you want to be friends with them, and, and a lot of times, well, none of yeah. I mean, <clears throat> let's be honest with you. Um, a lot of us don't welcome tough conversations. Um, you know, there's a whole book on it, crucial conversations about how to have, how to deal with conversations about that are consequential. So, um, but a true friend will let, you know, I'm differentiating between a friend and an acquaintance. Well, acquaintance give you the straight truth, less likely, although sometimes they may because they're not as invested in you, but a friend is invested in you and wants the best for you. So if you reach out and say, Hey, what do you thing, that person will give you, um, have a conversation. So um, ideally, you'll receive the feedback that you need to understand more about yourself and maybe next steps. So, Well, they always say honesty is the best policy. <laughs> the, the, the one thing though with, with me is an acquaintance or, or somebody that I barely know or family, friends, Sometimes honesty, I, I lead off with honesty. And a lot of times it's people think that they want the truth, but they it's it's like that from that movie, A Few Good Men, or um, they can't handle the truth. But oh, we, we all want we all want feedback. We want to be told how good we are. Um, so exactly, um, exactly. That that's why, like sometimes in the one minute manager. Ken Blanchard, I think he wrote that, that he says, always lead off with praise, but before you critique, right. per, per se, if, if somebody did need 40 pounds to go or 50 pounds to lose weight or whatever it is that, that no longer serves them, you start by saying, well, you're doing an amazing job with, with this. And then that, that you slowly lead into the cause of the problem what you need to look at, what you need to focus on. Right. Well, you also have to be invited to that. Um, um, none of us like to be preached at. And so um, in my one of my books, Grace, uh, Leader's Guide to a Better Us, I talk about connectedness, which is something that uh, I learned, well, uh, most relevantly from Father Greg Boyle, who is a uh, Jesuit priest in Los Angeles, East L.A., and he deals with um, he runs the largest gang intervention program in the world. And um he, you know, he's an Irish, uh, you know, Irish Catholic kid, you know, and he's dealing with people who, um, uh, tough circumstance, a different culture, different language, all that. And he does speak Spanish. So, you know, you don't go up to them and just say, Hey, here's what you need to do to improve your life. You invest yourself in, he calls it radical kinship. You connect with them on the level where they want to be connected and whatever it is. Sometimes we connect with others simply through our presence. We are there. And if they want to have a conversation, we engage in it. Um, and it's maybe a process. You need to do three or four of these things before anything comes consequential. A friendship is a different thing because you're already sort of on the same wavelength. You do have a connectedness with you. Uh, but um, uh, so being wait to get unless it's a dear friend, you want to wait to, to be invited to give feedback. It's different in a co in, in, a, in a business situation where if you're the boss and, and an employee, it's up to the boss to deliver feedback and straight feedback, positive and constructive. So, well, the difference between a, a boss and a leader 
a, a leader will push, motivate, inspire the employee, but know how to push the buttons. He's 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 more like since you're down in Ann Arbor, like Jim Harbaugh, or an, I'm an LSU alum, like Brian Kelly, or our former LSU head coach, like Nick Saban. You, you, you know how to get the most out of them. But the problem is a lot of times, including giving people unwanted feedback, are like the bosses, the ones that that just want, and sometimes they'll shoot like at a personal level. And, and clearly nobody wants to hear disempowering words like you're horrible, you suck, you're taking up space. Here, here, here are all the things that you're not supposed to do here. Because a lot of times that's, that's what bosses, and, and it shows in productivity when when you don't you just have every employee under your thumb and you're telling them this is what you must do this without giving them a compelling reason and then they're also usually in scarcity and they're also usually well i want you to to thrive i want you to excel but it'll only benefit me or that right. they they'll also have these fake <laughs> goals these lines, these goal lines that they always move. Well, yes, oof, I didn't realize that my employees, my team was going to hit this. So, oh, by the way, I made a mistake. And instead of giving you your bonus, instead of giving you whatever, I'm moving the goal line because clearly I'm selfish, I'm in scarcity, and, and I really don't want you to thrive. Right. And that's such a self-serving um, and short, uh, it's a game killer because what it is, is you drive the good best people away and you get stuck with dead wood, people who have no options. So, and your productivity will suffer and nobody wants to be there. And eventually your business will fail or it certainly won't thrive. So. Okay. Oh no, no. And then usually they don't, <laughs> their staff, like it is a revolving door. You don't know who's, who's coming, who's going, you need a, a, a roster. Just to know who, who's, who's, who's who, where's where, who took this position, and that usually they'll they'll never change. They're, everything is in scarcity because they they will always hire. Hey, here's my here's a, a mirror. Let me see if the per- put it underneath their nose. Let me see if they're breathing because I need to hire right right then and now, and they, they won't train because. Training to them means if I train these these employees, they're going to want to leave. They're instead of having that mindset. Well, hopefully they do leave, but their productivity pushes the bottom line, pushes the company to a sky high limit. The and another thing, and I, I believe that there's no coincidences and all that, is that you're you're a specialist on adversity, and I, I spoke to to. Um, uh, teenage uh, soccer team, U seventeen. These girls that they're getting ready to go play at Disney World for a showcase for for colleges and all, and that that's the one that's the one thing that especially times like these. If I don't know if if Corona hasn't shown adversity in all our lives for almost two years now. So you 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 hit the you hit the sweet spot by by being by being a, a crisis manager and as well as adversity and, and a specialist. Well, I mean, it, 
you know, a great management thinker and, and uh, university executive and business school builder, Warren Dennis said that he had never met a senior leader who had not been in the crucible. And what he meant by that was tested by adversity. And, excuse me. Most successful, virtually every successful um, executive with whom I've worked has been in the crucible. At some point in their life, they faced a moment of adversity that seemed indomitable or they were told by their boss that, you know, what you've been doing till now is fine. But if you want to get to the next level, there have to be some change, changes in behavior. Um, I think our gen, our young kid, millennials or even uh, the Gen Z folks like these young girls, um, they've truly been tested. And I think in the long run, or I want to believe um, that what they've been through will make them stronger. Um, they are resilient. We are as human beings are resilient. I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for it. But certainly in during these last past two years, you have to be resilient. Otherwise, you wouldn't be thriving. And a lot of people have been, it's not ideal, but they have achieved what they want to achieve. And so um, adversity bring, uh, what is it? I think it, it was something like, um, I think it was John Wooden, the great basketball coach said, adversity doesn't create character. It reveals character. So when you're in um, a moment of crisis and you fall apart or crumble, whatever, then you realize that you probably aren't right for that particular job. But if you become stronger by it and realize your strengths, then you, your character is revealed. At the same time, an initial failure and a moment of crisis doesn't mean that everything is over. Learn from it. What can I do? Because adversity is that sense of bending, not breaking. But it's also um, the concept, and certainly now, of transformation. This is an idea that I learned from Eileen McDarg, who writes on these issues, that we are coming through, we are bouncing forward, and we come, the person that we were in, 20, in January 2020 is not the person we are in January 2020. 22. Same for our organizations. We have learned a great deal. We have suffered. We have lost. But I think we are stronger. Most of us are. And so um, and we may not have met all the tests that were given to us, but we soldiered through somehow, some way. So we deserve credit for that. Speaking of adversity, though, would you have ever thought that we would have been able to ha handle what we've been able to handle society-wise for almost two years? Yes and no. Um, yeah, I do believe in the resilience of human condition. History teaches us that. I wouldn't have predicted that we would be such a, um, such a divisive uh, culture. Um, and so that's, that is what is harming us most right now. So, well, I think with other pandemics, cause we, they've been around for thousands of years from the black plague and all that was oh, that, well before that. Yeah, exactly. Since the beginning of time and we've been resilient and we've, thrived and excelled and overcome all that was now everything is based on just a political or a social view. Cause before it, I, I doubt people were, were screaming during the black plague. Well, th this is, 
the other party's fault, or I, I don't believe in this. I don't it, now. Now it, it comes. Well, there was to, a little bit of that, but I know exactly what you're saying. You know, who would have thought that um, people would or certain people would make uh, a public health crisis um, a political issue? And that has killed us. There has always, let's be honest, there's been an anti-vaxxer movement in this U.S. It's been a minority thing. It's been around for a long time. It's not, wasn't consequential, but uh, certain people have weaponized it and we are where we are. So, so do you, do you believe that the reason why it's been dragging on is because of this decisiveness that we're instead of being, and you would think in a crisis like this, that we would merge as one, but in fact, it, it just made both divisions even well, go and, further apart. No, I mean, people are entitled to their own opinion. They're not entitled to their own facts. And that's the divot. I mean, when you disregard reason, science, logic, you get in trouble. You become medieval. And so, you, you know, that's the problem. And so um, it's we're in it for a long time. And this isn't I mean, I, I do believe there is a light at the end of the tunnel with the virus. But um, culturally, we're very divided and it's going to take a long, long time to bring us together. So I, I remember growing up, it, it really and I maybe it's a generational thing. Most I'm Generation X. I, I never my my generation, we never protested. We never took a stand. It, it was always like, it is what it is. So I, growing up, it was never like, I, I, I remember my, my first election was Bill Clinton versus George H.W. Bush. Now, families won't even speak or people that have, have, have known each other for years. Well, to I mean, me yeah. right now, if you tell me you, you, you always voted against whomever I voted for, each his own, <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, no, it didn't used to be such. I mean, there were, um, it's good. First of all, no one party has all the answers. Um, no, I've no, always long believed in bipartisanship. There are, there are good, there are strong voices on progressives. There are strong voices on conservatism, but where I draw the line is on autocracy. Um, when it's one man rule, one party rule, that's not, America. And um, that is very disturbing. So, well, what's disturbing is, and this is both parties, they, they want to have complete say and com complete control, like what you're talking about. It's our way or the highway. And it's, you know, it, 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 you know, I, I've got a, a minor in history. So ever since 1776, that's that's never the way we've operated. For that, we, we should just stuck with King George. <laughs> if it was just, you know, you know, if it's just one way or the highway. Uh, don't forget, we did fight a civil war. So well, well would, yes, but but yeah, but but we did eventually come back to a country just to if if we read headlines from back then, and it would be very similar to the way things oh, yeah. are now. Yeah. There's, there's no question. I mean, that dated to George Washington's time. I mean, um, so we haven't had the idea of an independent or 
oh, a third party objective press. That's a 20th century concoction. And so uh, so um, and it really exists in a moment in time. Uh, but anyway, so anyway, we, what we need is uh, not going to solve that. What we need is good leadership and people who understand who are willing to listen and understand the other point of view. And um, that's the challenge and know what you can do. And changing people's minds is never going to be easy. And sometimes sometimes you can, sometimes you can. The best way to do it, of course, is through example. And even that's not going to work at times. So you have to um, we have to do the our, set our best example for what we can do and go forward and be truth to our tell the truth to ourselves and act on that. So. The best way to do anything is leadership all the way from the CEO to the president of, of a company, politicians, anything is to sell it better. Give people a compelling reason. You can't just hit somebody over the head and go, you're stupid. You're stupid. It's going to put somebody in the defensive. I mean, if somebody gave me facts on anything and, and came from a place of here, I'm trying to convince you. I'm trying to give you a compelling reason instead of, hey, you're an idiot. You know, that I'm, I'm already going to be on defensive. You, you, could, you can tell me the earth is round and I'm a, a, one of those people that... That, that has never seen a map or never seen pictures of, <laughs> of, of the earth in space and, and think it's flat just, just because out of spite. Well, yeah. no, it's true. And, and well, leadership is uh, leadership is the art of influence and influence is based on persuasion and persuasion is rooted. Yes. In reason and logic, but it must come from, it must touch us if on big things, not, every issue. It must resonate with us from inside, from our heart. You, as we say, engage the heart and the mind. You need both. If for, I'm talking about big, big issues. Um, and once that occurs, then people are motivated and motivation is not imposed. It comes from within us. I choose to do this because I see it in my best interest or the best interests of the people around me and to create a better company, a better team, a better society. So that's that's our that's intrinsic motivation. That motivation that you're talking about, once again, is is being a leader. It, it's no different than the parent. When a parent tells, "I've, I've got two teenage daughters," and it's easier. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're living it now. So yeah, but but when you whenever you see people with toddlers, just do it because I say so. That, the, that that doesn't work with older people. And that that's what happens with like a lot of bosses, though, right? Hey, I'm only going to tell you what you cannot do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So. Now, now, be the, the thing with with crisis, since you're a special, we're, we're always there, there's so much adversity and crisis. And it's not just here with with the pandemic, with Corona. It's It's also. Every business, every family, every relationship goes through crisis. It's just like an economy. It goes, it goes in a cycle. What, what goes up must, must come down. So no, no matter what, you, you're, you're always going to be relevant in the sense, hey, <laughs> this company was, was, has seen two or three bad quarters in a row. So, you're oh, um, yeah, I mean, I, 
I wouldn't call myself a specialist in it. I mean, I, I focus on change and dealing with adversity, but I do it in a different mindset. Um, um, and that's um, understanding where you are, what you can do, um, learning from your people, mobilizing them for positive action. And that comes from knowing your purpose. What is it that you want to achieve and why do you want to achieve it? And how can you disseminate that message to others? Because in times of crisis, what gets you through are the strengths of your conviction, but also the strength of your people. And so when organizations find themselves in crisis, they, it is, um, what do we believe in? Which is our value system? How do we come together? Our value system. You know, um, we talk about things like, I know, and vision, mission, uh, vision and mission. And vision is what I want to become. Mission is what I do. And values are what hold us together. And in times of crisis, Go to your values. Are they will they sustain you? I like to believe that they will. Um, and and how you mobilize them. And it's not stating values, yes, but it's living the values, being the authentic leader. And what does an authentic leader mean? Well, it means you understand the situation. At the same time, you're willing to give of yourself. You are uh, invested in the team. You you do what the team needs to be done. You provide the, the point for them to look toward. You support them. You challenge them. Uh, you coach them. Um, discipline when necessary, but also you do not hold yourself apart. You're one of them too, but you're the one designated to set, to be in the lead and bring people along with you. So when it comes to crisis adversity, resilience is a key for all this, but it's like working out. It's a muscle. Resilience very much so. And um, I do a, uh, a LinkedIn live show, Grace Under Pressure. And I've had the privilege of interviewing any number of people on this topic. And a couple of women are, are special forces people, both from this country and the United Kingdom. And resilience is this is what they teach special forces. It's taught. You know, the training that you go through, extreme training, so that when you are in that moment, you know how to react. You are you have prepared yourself. Organizations can do the same thing by um, this is our, this is our lessons learned. What can we do better? Um, we're going through this 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 pandemic we're going through for the last two years has been a great teacher of resilience because who would have thought two years ago we would be where we are now? But we've made it. And businesses have succeeded. And not everybody is in the best possible position by any means. Depends on your sector, but we're still here. Uh, and so, and it's up to leaders to talk about resilience and teach resilience, how to deal with it. And that comes down to the human factor too. Part of dealing with a resi a resilience uh, is learning to shut down when necessary. So you can recharge, rejuvenate, refuel yourself because you can't always be on. So understand what you can do and what you cannot do. And <clears throat> the best leaders are those who make time for themselves not not out of selfishness, uh, but because they need it, but because they will only be optimizing their abilities when they um, take time off. When so, then they, it, it, so then it's like willpower. You know how when, how they say if somebody's on a diet, they they have they have it's like a gas tank. You're, you're feeling great in the morning. You're feeling great at lunchtime, but then. It, your your reserves are empty 
you go to the, you know, you've been doing great all day and you have your willpower, just like resilience. You have to rest or recharge because if not, you're just going to crash or you're going to go into your fridge and you're just going to empty out the fridge (laughs) and start tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, but I think this, what it is, is especially in times of, change and crisis um the good leaders put themselves out there and they're going you know 120 miles an hour which you can do for short bursts but after a while you start well it's what we call burnout and so to prevent burnout you need to some downtime so you can recharge and um, that's what's important to do so understand your limits um and that's where your friends and advisors come in you know hey it's time to take Take a break here. You can't do it all. And sometimes, you know, we have we all of us sometimes have an inflated sense of ourselves. And I see this with entrepreneurs in particular. Oh, I'm the only one that can do that. Well, if you're the only one that can do that in your business, then maybe you're not managing your business the right way. <laughs> you need support <laughs> around you, other people who can take the lead on that. So, but also we also have this inflated view of ourselves that you know I'm the only one that can do it. Well, then that's an issue too. So you need to address that. Understand, no. Um, but if that is the case, then you need to find other people who can step in because your business, your organization is not sustainable if it relies on one person. Oh. Well, those that say they are the business, that's also ego driven because some of the world's largest corporations, Steve Jobs has been dead for over 10 years. Uh, Walt Disney hasn't seen his his company thrive he's he's been over he's been dead for over 50 years so if companies like that were the founder and the visionary a leader that was a visionary created a product out of nothing can literally die while the company still thrives then why can't you know an entrepreneur but that like that that's probably also due to scarcity too, or or just their ego saying, yeah. It, well, it's, it's good to have a good sense of self and who you are. Um, but um, what Walt Disney did was he built a good team around him, so that when he was gone, the business you know was able to sustain itself, um, and it needed re- revitalization <clears throat> over time. Um, his designated successors weren't the best. Um, and it took a, a, a shift to bring it to the Disney company we know today. But um, <clears throat> it's a good, and Apple's a good example of that because it wasn't, it was, yes, it was the vision of Steve Jobs, but he left it, then came back to it and, um, and understood his strengths and his weaknesses. And then sadly, he, um, uh, died, but the organization has persisted, um, not persisted, has grown since that. So, um, excuse me. Now, it's with leadership, with organizations, it also has to be, is it that much tougher now leading a company 
through Zoom? Oh, I think it's a it's a lot more tougher now because a couple of factors. Um, one, the velocity of change. The other is the global scope. What happens in one segment of the world can affect another one. A classic example is the pandemic. 40 years ago, uh, if the virus had happened in Wuhan, it might have been a one-page story someplace, but it wouldn't have been a global pandemic. But because of global travel and commerce and things, viruses like that spread very quickly and, and will do so only more so in the future. So yes, it's, it's more challenging. <clears throat> there are different factors. We're adjusting. We're in a, we're in a culture of change right now. We're shifting. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of balls in the air. Um, and, and so, and the other thing right now, we're in more of an isolated position and leaders never want to be in isolation because they have to be with and among their people. And it's harder to do that virtually. It can be done to a degree in virtually. Um, and then there's also the stresses of the organization. Um, people, not just the leader, but everyone is in a, <clears throat> a kind of remote um, isolation at times. Now we, we're coming back to a hybrid workplace, which is good. And so we're going to figure that out. That's a new dynamic. The hybrid workplace is here to stay. First of all, it was evolving before the pandemic. The pandemic merely accelerated it. So businesses have to choose how how are they going to adapt to that? And some businesses never can because like healthcare or retail, well, retail to a degree, but restaurants, I mean, that's a one-on-one -on -one business. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you can't do that virtually. Um, so yeah, it depends on what you, what it is. So I think there's a lot of challenges out there, but I think also there's a great reservoir of talent, more and more women, more and more people of difference, minorities or what we call minorities are in charge. So we're, we're becoming a much more, we're a more diverse culture and our leadership is reflecting that. And that's only a positive. So. Well, that's good too, because a lot of you, you hear, well, I need to have my team all here within these cubicles and, or my team is codependent. They need each other to thrive, which I, I, to me personally, it depends on, on the leadership as well as, Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I always got my back up early about a year ago and we had CEOs were saying, well, I want people back in the office. And my sneaky suspension was because they felt insecure and they want to see bodies in the seats. So and a lot of them have backed off on that now. And so we're in a hybrid environment, whether they want it or not. Even when the virus is over, they're still going to be in a hybrid. We're still going to be a hybrid because that's where people want to work and how they work. And if there are businesses that want everybody there, well, then it's up to businesses to, to, to set that set that up and, and create it. So, uh, and if people choose to live uh, to work like that, fine. I just think we're in a fundamental change and um, we're, we're redefining what work is and what meaning and how we do it. And you can create, I believe in interactivity and co-location um, uh, co as well as collaboration and cooperation, but you, <clears throat> you don't have to do that with physical presence. There are times when you need physical presence, Without question. But there are also times when it's even better to be um, uh, come together for um, certain times, uh, get your uh, direction and go off and uh, execute and come back and regroup and do those things. So you don't need to be physically present all the time. You need to communicate regularly. And so everybody knows what's going on. But you don't need to be physically present with others. So. Well, we've had almost two years and numbers don't lie quarterly reports from all these major 
publicly traded corporations, the numbers show that people are thriving working from home. Yeah, but that's that. Some of that is yeah, but there are stresses um, because the biggest stress I think are people working independently, and their children have to be at home. Now, I mean, we're in a um, when their children are not at home, it's that's more of an ideal situation. But let people do want some people do want to be in an office situation. So that's not you know then we we will have to create avenues for that to occur. But you're right. I mean, we've learned to come through this. So, um, you know, life is uh, life is a learning process if we pay attention. So, well, I, I completely agree with you on that. And I mean, we all have to go through adversity in that sense, because I, I remember telling people, well, I graduated when I graduated college, I could never do it virtually. I, I had to be present. I had to be seated. I, I I had to be there in the classroom and all that. But that's that's because I never had that option. I never had my back to the wall that said you have to stay home and if and if you want these these credits, you're going to have to be on Zoom because there's no indoor. There's no classroom. Right. Right. And, and yeah. And, you know, I mean, in, in, in fairness to um, college students, they've been really uh, and high school students. Well, basically every student, they've been shortchanged by this pandemic. They have missed out a lot. And um, as much as I praise their resilience, there are going to be some scars from that. And so we need to be vigilant and address that and, and find out ways we can uh, help them cope uh, with that. So uh, it's a, a mixed bag, if we will. You know. Well, I, I completely agree with you because two years ago, my well, my oldest was going through eighth grade, missed the dance in the eighth grade graduation onto high school. And I mean, so, so many high school seniors, so many college students missed that opportunity to walk that missed all those things that I, I took for granted. So I couldn't necessarily tell my, my daughters, I couldn't necessarily tell, tell my employees that I had at the time, Hey, suck it up. Because you know, we can't relate. We, you, you and I had the normal experience that if right. if we wanted to go to the dance, if we wanted to, right. we 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 weren't socially distancing. We, I I never did that. that you know, right. we we all had choices, and for well, really for a year, because yes, we've been out and about, but a lot of times, you know, they they missed out on the opportunity of their life. These growing opportunities, these once in a lifetime chances yeah. that they missed. No, no question. But um, but I, I would want to say that that deprivation at that time, I, I want to say it's made them stronger. It's caused sadness and sorrow and in certain instances, some um, clinical issues. But and so that we need to be sensitive to that. So and provide the assistance where we can and not not sweep it under the rug, uh, address it. But no, it's, it's, it's a hardship. No question. No question. It's, we have to evolve as, as parents, we have to evolve as leaders. It's not like the olden days where, Hey, shut up. 
and and suck it up because <laughs> I mean that 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 was that that was I I love my mom to death. She had her tools and all that. So I I can't I I joke around about that, but it, clearly. I'm glad I didn't go through that because I'm sure if I told my mom, hey, I'm I'm missing out on my college, I, I can't believe I'm not going to be able to walk, or I, I I can't believe that that this stadium can only hold ten thousand and I can't go as a student. My mom, my mom's tools would be suck it up. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what <laughs> what adversity is. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. No, that's true. Yeah. No. So he, I, I got to ask you, out, out of 15 books, what, which one is your favorite and why? Um, well, you're almost like asking um, the, the child, which one of your kids parent is- to choose a child. So every one of them and none of them. So what it means, it's, I would just say I've gone through phases. I've been writing books for over 20 years. And so what I knew about leadership 25 years ago, my understanding has evolved. Um, I, if you look at my last, well, I think a, a big change for me was when I focused on purpose, which was my book, Lead with Purpose, giving your organization a, a reason to believe in itself. That I kind of staked out this ground toward purpose. And then I just wanted to talk more about the the inner self. So I wrote a book called Moxie, some other stuff in between, but about grit and determination and all of that. And then I flipped it and kind of in this tenor of our times, the concept of grace, which I believe is the catalyst for the greater good. So I am more interested in the connectedness and grace. So, um, and then my last book, Grace Notes, Living in an Upside down world is a reflection on where we are uh, or where we were in our first year of the pandemic. And it's just, it's uh, some of its poetry and it's reflections, but um, I, I a lot of people read it as it's a good memory, a good help for leaders to orient themselves to what they went through or still going through um, and how they can draw hope and uh, resilience from their own experience. And more importantly, because it's written from a leadership standpoint, what you can do for your people, um, how you can be outward directed um, and toward that end. So I'm not giving you a straight answer because I really don't have a straight answer. <laughs> so, no, but, but those uh, are yeah. very interesting. And yeah, I, I'm yeah. <laughs> unlike most people. Well, for I, when I graduated from my four year and, and then definitely after my master's, it was always like, I'm done reading i'm done studying like a lot of people I've, I've always i think the reason why i've excelled and grown is that i'm always a student and i've always wanted to be a better version of myself i've always <laughs> wanted to be a, a leader because you're right uh 20 years ago when i first became an entrepreneur my skill set would have been completely different i mean i sold out but six months ago because you have to evolve. And it's it's like that old saying, oh, well, these kids are different or these employees are different. Yeah, everybody is different because times change, people change, circumstances create us. So you have to evolve as, as a leader. 
Uh, without question. And, and that's the, the key and knowing when it's time to go. Um, and it's a good thing. And I'm going to end this engagement for the moment because I've done the best I can. And um, the organization needs a different form of leadership. Um, that's not quitting. That's understanding it's time for me to step away so that I can help that the organization grow and survive. Staying longer than you really should is often the death knell of organizations because they become too dependent on a personality. Um, this happens very much in entrepreneurial organizations. You know, when, when the founder is not prepared, adequately prepared for succession, then the organization flounders. And um, that's a special challenge. But um, anyway, and so a leader needs to always be thinking What's next in terms of who can take my role or whom do we need to groom to that next generation? And um, and uh, who do we need to prevent, provide new opportunities so we can all grow together and uh, come up with um, new solutions to evolving problems? But thinking ahead and, you know, a, a leader's time with an organization is finite uh, and you have to make the best of it in that time. So. Well, even if, whether it's a publicly traded corporation or, you know, a small business, I, I believe everybody should know and have an exit strategy in place because you know, literally my 20th year was that I, I was burnt out. I felt this wasn't me. This wasn't my purpose. This isn't what my life was. But and I was checked out. And you're right. A leader. It's, it's like a carton of milk. It doesn't go on forever. Every corporation, whether it's a founder, whether it's an innovator, what whatever, everybody's time is up. And I, I feel that my I, sh I should have walked away three, four, five years ago. But it was always that. Well, maybe something else is going to change. And the only the only time that happens is when you you sell or you you step away. In in my case, I had to sell in order to to let my stores go and and prosper with someone else. Right. Well that's uh, you should um uh, um that's a great that's a great leadership example and you should be proud of what you did. So why thank you. So more importantly where do we find these 15 books and where do we find you, John? If, well, if the easiest place is my, uh, my website, johnbaldoni.com. All of my books are on Amazon um, and some are even in bookstores, but Amazon for all business book authors, that's, that's the great marketplace. So, and I'm, and I'm also active on <clears throat> LinkedIn. So people can connect with me there if they so choose. So it's great. Now, now, can entrepreneurs, small businesses hire you to be a an advisor, a coach? A well, I thank you for saying that. Yeah, invitation to that. Yes, I'm an executive coach, um, and I do have some advisory thing. What do I mean by that? I'm not the guy to do your strategic planning, but I'm the guy to help you think through your strategic plan and how you can mobilize people to get behind that plan. So, um, so yes, I'm, I'm happy to talk to people if they're. Um, uh, uh, I, and if I can't coach them, perhaps I can de uh, point them in the right direction. So, well, the best part about that is a lot of times we need, especially as an owner, in order 
for a business to thrive, sometimes we need to bring in a coach. Sometimes we need to bring in an extra set of eyes because if you're used to seeing the same thing, it's like driving. There's all these blind spots that you miss. And that's why we need to hire you. So you, you can be like that friend. That 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 can well, give us. It's funny. You remind me of a story, Omar. I once spoke to a small group of CEOs, and and I was talking about the nature of what they do in this business being lonely at the top and things. I got and they this one of these guys pushed back and said, "Well, I'm not lonely. Everybody in my company is a friend. Of, I consider them a friend." I said, "Well, that's good." And who's responsible for their compensation? He goes, "Well, I am." And I go, "And that's the basis of your friendship." <laughs> and he goes, "Well." How <laughs> And I go, well, yeah, you know, and another guy goes, yeah, it's right. So now, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm sure he was a good hearted person. I don't mean it, but it's hot. And this is where, this is what getting back to our stuff um, talk. You talk about friends giving you straight talk. If an employee doesn't feel comfortable giving you straight talk, he's going to say, everything's just fine, boss. And so we get into our tunnel thinking that I'm okay. My boss, my people think I'm okay. And who's responsible for them thinking that way? Well, I am. <laughs> so that's where an executive coach comes in because an executive coach is disinterested. I don't mean uninterested, but he or she isn't, doesn't have a stake in the business and is should give you the straight talk that you need to focus on what it is. And most people know what they need to do. They just simply need to talk it through with an outside person. That's all. Well, both of us believe this. In order to get from point A to point B at a much faster rate, you just need to hire a coach. And that's in every aspect. And I'm not saying that because you know, we're, we're, we're both in the business of helping people find their purpose, helping people excel. It's if, if you want to be a better snowboarder, you hire a snowboard instructor. If, if you want to lose weight at a faster rate and, and you want to be Miss Hawaiian Tropic or Mr. Olympia, you know, you can either watch stuff at YouTube or might be effective. I don't know. Or you actually hire someone that help you to get from point A to point B. Right, right, absolutely. And I mean, I believe all of us need coaches. Now, do all of us need executive coaches? No, but businesses do benefit from executive coaches whom whom they can trust and uh, help uh, have their, uh, they can bounce ideas off and give them straight feedback so that they can learn more about themselves and lead, become more effective leaders. So. Well, also just think about it. I, a lot of people, I, I think it was Jim Rohn that says people talk about the price of the book or the price of the coach, but what's it going to cost you not hiring you to be their executive coach? Same thing as not buying that book. It's not the 1999 book. It's the, it's, it's the missed profit the missed opportunities that you could have hit, but you were too busy worrying about what's it going to cost me. Well put. I agree a hundred percent. Well, I, I really, after reading up on you and you're, you're legendary just on everything. And I, 
I thank you for the the hour. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for answering my questions because yes, it's for my my listeners, but I'm selfish. I it, it helps me become a better leader, better entrepreneur, and it helps all those other people out too. Thank you, thank you for the time. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, oh, Martha, and I say the same to you. You ask good questions. We engaged in a good conversation, and I appreciate it. So, thank you. Huh. All righty. Have an outstanding rest of the day, rest of the week, and good luck with your future endeavors and just prosper. Same to you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. I never told no one that my whole life I've been holding back. Every time I load my gun up so I can shoot for the stars, I hear a voice like, who do you think you are? Negative thoughts come to mind when I start thinking bold. Like, why you chasing dreams? Aren't you getting kind of old? I knew I needed help I had no self-confidence Didn't believe in myself I tried not to feel or listen to my intuition To start a business But before I even started I feel like it's finished You got a vision And let me say I don't care if they're your blood Got the same DNA They can't feel how you feel They can't see what you see Wanna change your life You gotta change the way you think The thoughts in your mind Is the boss of your life Nothing but good vibes Every day I'm thinking like What if it be? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if it did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work.